and welcome to Penn Podcast with your co-host Nico Pingan of Penn for Hire NYC. Today we are joined by Anne Charles. Anne, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you for having me on this evening. I guess it is here. I'm not sure. It's pretty late back where you're at, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm in Eastern Time. Where are you calling from? We're Arizona, so we don't change time. So right now we're on Pacific Time. Oh, okay, yeah. So you still have a little bit of sunlight, right? Right. Oh, lucky you. Lucky you over here. Sun has already said it's time for nighttime. Uh, but anyways, I was looking at your website and I see so much color. There's so much engagement with your website. I wanted to know what got you into creating books, becoming a maester of words. What essentially was your inspiration for writing? Wow. I Well, you know, I'm not one of those people that wanted to write since I was a kid. I just, oh, wow. I, loved, I loved reading. Uh, I always did. And it just, as I kept reading, and I would read horror and I would read romance, westerns, science fiction, all kinds of stuff. You know, I was all over the place. So I liked different genres, especially mm -hmm. if they mixed them up. So it was in my 20s when I had finished a book and it was a, it was an okay book. I don't remember mm -hmm. which one it was. It wasn't that it was you know, something I threw against the wall because I hated right. it, but I didn't like the ending. I wanted different and, you know, something different for the ending. And I thought, well, why don't you just write a book that you like and write the ending you want? And then, you know, you'll be happy. <laughs> and so it started. And like I said, that was my mid twenties. And I Wait, just, who gave you that idea? me <laughs> oh you gave yourself that idea yeah wow. it was like stop stop complaining about this you know these endings and write mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. you want and make yourself happy and and give it a try i don't know why i even thought i could do that but i did so i wrote a book and it was horrible but i finished it i wrote it all by hand and i finished it and i spruced it up typed up the first few chapters sent it in to a mm -hmm. publisher and they said no thank you but oh, hey wow. we think you have potential don't give up. So I believed them <laughs> and I kept going. And that's kind of how it all got rolling. So that same publisher that gave you that original idea about you have potential, did they ever work with you or they just gave you like, hey, listen, this is not something that we're ever going to do, but somebody out there at some point will like what you're doing? Well, it was a it was a romance publisher, and I was trying to write romance at that time. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and it's just I I do like to have romantic subplots, but just writing a straight romance is not something that I'm really good at. I I mm. like to have more, you know, suspense and mystery and other elements mixed in. So they I I didn't ever submit anything else to them because I moved on in style you know i kept trying to learn what i what i liked and i did submit other books that had romance in them but they were always mixed genre and back in the early 2000s when i was doing this with an agent we would mm -hmm. get time and again where they'd say hey could you pick either mystery or romance or sus suspense quit quit doing 50 50 you know or even steven stuff here we want you to right, pick right. a team and stay with it and i couldn't i just didn't have that storytelling voice in my head it wanted to mix everything up together i mean and look at what ended up happening you were able to publish so many fiction books and you were able to create so many series from the ongoing multi-award winning deadwood mystery series mm -hmm. which has the 13th book coming out in 2023 the jack rabbit junction mystery series uh the six books twisty tortoise 
Tussles is your latest one that you actually came here to talk about, but as well as the dig site mystery archaeology series and then the Deadwood Undertaker series that you co-wrote with Sam Lucky. So you've done so much despite what initial setbacks were said to you and you were able to translate all that energy, all that experience to be a USA Today bestselling author who writes award winning books. It's been a crazy ride. (laughs) It's been it's been a lot of fun and there's so much more to come. But, you know, I just try to take month by month, year by year, keep putting out, you know, the stories and and just keep trying different things. I really have spent a lot of time learning about marketing because I I realized early on that to be Mm -hmm. successful, especially if I was going to be a small press or an independent author, I was going to have to know how to market and, and be on social media and use, you know, ads, use all kinds of stuff. So I spent a lot of time studying up on marketing in addition to practicing and, and getting better with the craft of writing. So it's taken a lot of time and energy, but, you know, it, it turned out to be something I love to do. And so I have a lot of passion to keep going forth and trying things. Doesn't mean I don't get tired. I do. <laughs> I need breaks now and then. I mean, it sounds like from going the different genres that you encompass in your writing as well as the different roles that it sounds like you partake in your brand that you do have a lot of things to do and it really sounds like you mentioned earlier that you just can't settle down on one specific task since everything (laughs) is calling out to you and i completely understand that and i wanted to learn how do you manage that because you might not have all the energy or time so how do you manage what time and energy you do have access to in order to create all these different things oh it's i'm not you know i'd like to tell you i have a calendar and you know this whole list and i followed it to a t i wish i have two kids i'm married four cats life happens constantly i just you know there's a lot of nights that i i'm up working until 11 or midnight and then i get up in the morning and uh, we get the kids off to school and start in again but then throughout the day i stop and i I have to exercise because, you know, when you sit at a computer all day long, you got to do something to keep your body movement moving. And I fit in marketing some days. I'm really strong in the morning with writing. So I try to not deal with any marketing early and just focus on writing. Other days I'm better at night when it's quiet and everybody's in bed. So I I don't have set times, but I do work seven days a week. My husband mm. does too. I mean, we're really in this together. He's Sam Lucky, who I co-write the Deadwood Undertaker series with. And we, we often joke a line, I think it was from Downton Abbey, where one of the older richer ladies said, what is a weekend? You know, we always joke about what is a weekend? We just keep going no matter what day of the week. And in the summer, it gets really crazy because, you know, the kids are home and mm. I'll wake up and I'll sit there for, you know, 10 seconds and try to figure out what day is this, you know, because <laughs> I'm just, just every day is the same, you know, you're working, right, right. You're working. So I have to, we've talked about getting something where it puts it on the wall. So first thing right. when I set up, it tells us what day it is because it's a lot of work. You know, the the time, if there ever was a get rich quick in, in independent publishing, it's not really here unless you win the lotto, basically, <laughs> publishing, right? It just takes a lot of work and, and time and perseverance. But if it's what you enjoy, you know, it's it's 
what you do and you just keep going forth and no matter what time of the day. Well, that's actually pretty impressive that you're able to be consistent despite not having a set schedule. <laughs> I think that's more impressive than anything because a lot of people that are procrastinators, they'll lie to themselves and they'll say, yeah, you're going to do it at night. <laughs> and then have, you, you don't, don't, right? Yeah, You don't have time in the morning. Hey, do this writing thing in the morning and then you can do that marketing thing later on at 10, 11. And at 10, 11, it's like, you know, you could do a little bit more, right? You could do that marketing thing tomorrow morning and then... <laughs> Cause I've done it before where I've been like, man, you know, wait till Tuesday, wait till next week, wait till mm -hmm. in two weeks, you know, or wait until inspiration hits you. But it sounds like you're making that on a constant basis, whether you're doing one thing or the other, always constantly working and trying to figure out either what your mind or what your body is going to be focused on and tackling and getting that done. Oh yeah. And, and when I'm in the thick of writing a book, actively writing, I have a goal of 2000 words a day. Sometimes mm. I'm, you know, just scraping really close to it. And maybe the last 10 words are, you need to write more than the, you know, 2000 words tomorrow, just to hit that 2000 mark. And other times it's three or 4,000, you know, that I do in a day because it's really flowing. And that includes incorporating editing because the way I write is I'll write a uh, you know, a chapter, and then I'll go back and start editing it and, and I'll edit and edit. And then I'll in that same day, sometimes, sometimes it's the next day I edit, but I'll finish the, the chapter anywhere between, you know, 3000 to 4,000 to 5,000 words. And then I ship it off to my first draft crew, just that chapter. And then I go to the next and I find that having them on the line really motivates me because I can't, it's no longer just me sitting there going, oh, I'll do this another time. They'll start emailing me and, mm. and contacting me and go, I saw you on Facebook. What are you doing? Get back to work. We're waiting on the next chapter. So it, it helps me keep going to have, you know, to do it that way instead of just, I'm going to spend months writing a book and then I'll start sharing it just a writing style that I've, I've learned. So I don't procrastinate too much because mm. I will given the opportunity, but most of the time I can get, once I get in the routine, I can, I can be pretty strong with getting those at least 2000 a day. I, I wish I was as fast as some of these writers I know. And I've heard about that just throw out five or 6,000 words a day and they it's, it's good. They don't have to do a lot of editing, but that's just not my style. No, it sounds like your slow and steady beats the race is going to eventually outpace those. So, for example, for somebody that waits every two, three, four or five days to write just a measly 500 words, your 2000 a day and editing, and they might wait until they have a complete first draft from beginning to end in order to even start thinking about either proofreaders or to think about sending it to their editor. Whereas it sounds like every chapter or so, every certain word count amount, you're revising it, making sure that it's cleaned up and then ready for somebody else to do that. And that same group of people are going to keep you accountable throughout the entire process is what it sounds like. Exactly. And, you know, I'll pick a date. I'll say, OK, I'm going to release this. I'm aiming for, you know, September 30th to have this book finished into the editor because my editor always likes to know ahead of time. You know, when right, am I right. getting that next book? And so I'll put dates out there and I really I mean, that's the where I'm really trying to hit, you know, and make those deadlines because I know she's got a schedule right. and sometimes I make it and other times I don't. And I have to write her and say, you know, life happened. I'm going to run two weeks late, but I'm still pushing and having her there 
also really pushes me too, because I don't want to lose my spot. You know, she's right. holding a spot in her schedule for me and you lose that you could get kicked back a ways and then it'll mess up all, you know, what I have planned. So there's ways to keep myself held accountable, I guess, to mm -hmm. certain times and stuff. And I do try to do that. And also, you know, when I'm working in marketing, let's say, and I tell somebody, yes, I'll do this. Right. I really strive to make it happen when I said it, you know, or whatever, because mm -hmm. I, I think you, it's a professional thing and I don't want them to start thinking, ah, well, she might not, you know, she might not show up. She might not be here for what we need her. So mm -hmm. I, I do try to keep on top of that as well, but I'm very careful. I won't say, oh yeah, I'll do that for you tomorrow. Right, I'll right, go, right. Let me think about when I can get that done and then I'll get back with you. Hmm. Well, wow, that's an amazing way that you can tackle meeting your goals and your missions. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Social media isn't about simply posting links to your book multiple times on a day on every platform you can think of. It is a complex process that takes time and strategy, as well as content and purpose. Creating and managing social media campaigns can feel like a full-time job especially if you don't already love doing it. Don't wait until your book is done to think about how to tell the world about it. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. What I was curious to know is how did you build that initial momentum? Was it a specific system in place? Or was it something else that allowed you to just be so consistent that now you're like a, a locomotive? I don't think anything is going to derail you, but how did you start that initial momentum? Well, okay. So when I started way back when I was working a day job, there were parts early, early on when I was still in college, finishing my degree, I was one of those 10 year college degrees, you know, you get it at 29 instead of, you know, mm -hmm. and I had been married before and then divorced and through it all, I kept doing things and, and writing and pushing myself. And then in the early 2000s, I was married the second time and we had our first child in 2005 and the second in 2007, I had a full-time day job. You know, it's not, you, you know, it's not cheap of course to do. And when you're starting, you really, you almost have to have some other income coming in to support you. So right. During those times when I was younger, <laughs> I was able to work really long days, both at work and then come home and, and be with my family, help with the kids. And then when they would go to bed at nine, 10 o'clock, I would hit the keyboard until about one or two and then go to sleep for about five hours and get up and do it all again, go back to work and get started. And, and, and it, you know, I wasn't alone. My husband was there too. We were raising them together, you know, our kids together and, just juggling everything. But I, mm -hmm. because I had that day job and it was a full-time day job, I had to really make every, you know, hour count in the day. And I kind of got into that routine of, okay, now I have to do this. And, and this is the only way I'm going to make this so that I can someday leave this job and go to writing as a career. And it took a while. It, it wasn't until 2013 that I was finally able to quit my job. I started first writing in 1996, 97, you know, when I first sent out. So, and there was a lot of life lived in between there, but from about 2007 on, I was really trying hard and I couldn't quit the day job until, like I said, 2013. And, and that was a whole 
you know, it was great. I was excited. I was writing right, finally. Right. It was supporting my, uh, you know, we were supporting our family with this. This is what mm-hmm. we do. And then I had this realization of, oh, now writing a book is no longer just fun thing I do on the side. And I'm trying to have this whole thing. Now this is it. This is what I have to do. I have to tell stories every day, you know, work right. at this every day. And that was a bit of a eye opener, you know, healthcare is you got to consider paying that and all that. So you have mm-hmm, to think mm-hmm. about, can, can we do this? Can we sustain, you know, just off the writing, but there was no looking back. We just pushed forward and, and said, let's do this. Let's make it happen. And, and we have, so it's been really a lot of fun and a lot of work, but you know, worth it overall. Now, how do you actually come up with a consistency to create 2000 words? Because a lot of people have a difficulty trying to put together a hundred words together on a simple story and you're just killing it seven days a week. That's like 14,000 words in one week, boom. And you keep doing it and keep doing it and you keep doing it. How is your brain such an infinite vortex of ideas that you're able to just churn it out on command? I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't really know. I just know that once I'm in the story, you know, it goes slower initially. The first three to five chapters of uh, Mm -hmm. my novels run usually about 125,000. So the first probably 15,000 words to 20,000 words take me longer because I'm building and I have to, if it was a brand new series, I have to build the world. If it's, you know, book 13, like I'll be writing this fall in the Deadwood series, I have to reintroduce situations, plot lines that I'm pulling through, characters. I have to reintroduce, but in a way that doesn't bore you, but in a way that if you haven't picked up the books, the series in a year or two, and you want to just read this one, you can jump back in without going, oh, I'm going to have to reread them all. So, I mean, really the series, all my series, you really should, if you really want to have the best experience, start at one and go through it. But I do try to make it so if you come in midway through, you're not lost. You still can follow the plot for that book. So I I do have extensive note taking. Uh, what uh, there's a fan, a wonderful woman, and she has a business now called Your World Keeper. She came to me at a book signing way back when, when it was just the third dead book. Deadwood book had come out. She was mm-hmm. actually there for somebody else. And she came over. She said, Oh, I've read your books. I saw that. I, you know, I, I found them and I've read them. And I said, Oh, cool. And she said, Yeah, I love them. Um, do you know that you changed the color of so and so's eye, you know, one of the characters' eyes between book two and three? And I was like, Oh, it's so hard to keep track of all these little details. And she said, You know, I could do that for you. If you're interested, I could be the one that keeps track of all your characters and their, you know, different, all the different parts and pieces and plots and stuff like that. If you're, if you're interested, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have been, you know, just sacrificing chickens and goats and anything I could find, <laughs> find you, <laughs> you know, waiting for the writing gods to go. Here you go. <laughs> so wow. she was, yeah. And she's been doing it ever since with me. She actually has, like I said, it's a business now for her, but when we started, it was just, yeah, let's do this. And she's amazing. So through all those records, I go back through them. Every time I start a new book in the series, I go back through all that stuff. I reread at least you know, in the Deadwood series, I'll start with book two or three. I'm not reading one anymore. I just read the synopsis because I've read that book so many times, but I'll read through the whole series again. 
just to get it all back because I really want to be fully in that world and not forget something, a plot thread that I had way back when that I plan to use again. So it takes time. I'm not, a, like I said, I, I'm not super fast. One of my books will take four to six months to write it, go through editing and release it. It's just, that's how much time I take. And I wish I was faster, but I can only do what I could do, you know, and I've, I've learned to accept that. This is what I can do. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a consistent and great job at it, even though you're having a, a, a you're looking at individuals who are at a higher volume and you might not recognize that you're doing such a well job. Like I said, back to the local motive, because you already have the writing on the consistency, but also you have the editing on a consistency. And it also sounds like you have somebody that can correct you if you misalign a character whether it's the way they speak something, the way they're looking, the way they're dressing, the way they might even be sounding. So you have everything at your disposal to continue to create that content that all your fans so desperately love. My thing is, how can you do it so well after so many years? Because you said 1996 you started doing this. Yeah, I was young then. I was trying. And you're not running out of ideas? Um, no, you know, I, oh. I switch up. So I have these five different ongoing series. And part of the reason I do have so many and then I switch around is so I don't get bored because oh. it keeps me, it, it allows me to go, okay, we had a great time on the page. Everybody go back in the green room and wait, you know, and I'm going to go over here and we're going to now write this story, go back to these guys over here, catch up with what's going on write, you know, create a whole new story. And, and I, in each book I'll write, I'll put several um, uh, threads that I, it's like, we're going to pick that up later. We're mm -hmm. just putting it in to get this started here. And, and my readers, they're, they're so smart. They know, Hey, you mentioned this particular thing. So this is right. going to come back and I'm waiting for that to come back. So, and that's why I said, I have to go back and reread a lot of times to find, to make sure I found all those little clues I left behind because like I said, the readers are really smart and they'll read it all and they'll go, you've forgotten this mm. or have you? And so I have to stay on top of that. And that just takes a lot of focus and a lot of note taking and, and work. But I think there's a lot of value in it because the last thing I want is a reader to go from like book seven to eight and go, Hey, wait a second. All these things have changed. What happened? Because it's not been months in the Deadwood series. We go, we started back in, I think it was late July in mm -hmm. the story world. And now in book 13, we're, we're only in the next January, I think mid to late January. Mm -hmm. So they just keep boom, 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 you know, happening. If you're taking years along with me to read them, you're like, wow, it's been a long six months. But if you're binging them, it really goes, you know, you're writing. right. right. And that's kind of the goal wow. is to make it binge worthy. Wow, that's actually such a multi-layered, that's such a multi-layered Rubik's kind of way of book planning because you have one book series here who's on book X and then another one here and then another one here and then another one here. And then whenever you want, you go, you know what? Today, I'm going to decide to focus on humor. Today, I'm going to do mystery, suspense, romance supernatural elements or whatever else sounds fun as it shows in your bio and yeah. you truly encompass that with all the different genres of books that you do and it's literally what you said earlier that the book publishers they couldn't 
contain you and hey only do romance that's the only one that you're good at that's the only one that you should be doing that's the only one with the money and you ran with your idea your way of working and it's been working amazingly for you it really it really has it's you know it's it's some people would probably say it's crazy you know doing all this and and oh Sounds so fun too <laughs> it's and, and each series is all part of the Anne Charles world or whatever you want to come call it universe so mm -hmm. you know I have the Deadwood mystery series and then the one that my husband and I write the Deadwood Undertaker series is the same Deadwood town only back in the 1870s during the gold rush. And so we mix Western with humor and supernatural. And so it's the same supernatural world that ties in. But then there's Jackrabbit Junction series who stars the neighbors of the heroine in, in the Deadwood series. They grew up together, but now they're down in Arizona solving mysteries and it's treasure hunting and um, suspense and a lot of humor down there but there are characters that'll go back and forth between right, different right. you know because they know like the the heroine's best friend in the deadwood series is the cousins of the girls you know the the characters in the jackrabbit so she goes yeah, back yeah. and forth so yeah i have to line the dates up to make sure because and, and some readers we've done it on my website where not only can you read the book series in order but mm -hmm. now we've stacked them in where all the different books from the different series fall in the timeline so oh, you can go from book to book to book in the different series too so that it takes some you can't just throw something out willy-nilly you got to be ready for um hey have we checked this have we made sure it fits here does it fit you know have we thought about this and that's all part of the planning for them now, how did you have the patience in doing all of this? Because when you decide to work in multiple areas, a lot of people would say that this is not going to enable you to be proficient in the specific one that if you just generated all the hours, all the energy, you'd be amazing at this one. So how were you capable of being so patient that you were able to develop your writing as well as your marketing for each specific genre well I, I you know like i said i started this way back in the 1990s and and i'll be honest i'm i'm now 50. so this really got going when i was about 35. i was really starting to take off with all these things that's when my kids were babies but it was really getting let's get this going and i kind of knew i'd been to a lot of writing conferences and a lot of you know i'd talked to a lot of authors older, younger, and I just kind of knew, okay, you know, God willing, I don't get hit by a bus. I've got some time here right. and I could, I have the time to build, you know, this, this universe that could be really fun if I can just keep building one temple or one, you Ooh. know, building, whatever you want to call it, at a time and focus on building that. And now let's go build this part and go build that. So I just, I thought of it as, well, I was, you know, into archaeology. So I really thought of it as like a big, you know, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And and each temple, and here's the temple of this and the temple of Deadwood. And the, and we're oh just gonna keep Lord, working on building funny. these pyramids or whatever, you know, these complexes. And so I just, you know, just kept working at it here and there. And and I don't know. It at the time it seemed like, yeah, we've got time to do this. It's no big deal. And Honestly, now it doesn't seem it's more just juggling what's already up there. I don't, you know, adding little stuff here and there, but 
there are things that come through like marketing and new things that you have to do for marketing. And I just think, oh, maybe if I wait six months, this will pass and I right, can catch right. the next thing, the big thing. But I do have a lot of help. I mean, I, of course, this isn't on my own. Like I said, my husband has been part of this pretty much from the beginning. There's a lot of back-end stuff. If you're an author or an indie author, you know, there's a lot of back-end things you have to do. My sister-in-law is, you know, my right hand assistant. She does so many things too. She's part of the whole machine. My sister, my oldest sister also sells books and is my bookkeeper. My mom has been, she sold for, you know, helped build on the ground sales in Deadwood. So yeah, the family, my brother is my illustrator and cover artist. So I wanted to ask you about that because the latest cover, amazingly well done. I love the skull. Yeah, I think you have the. I think you have the book there. Oh my goodness, amazing cover! Yeah, how how did yes? How did you come up with that eye-catching cover? Was it you just gave them an idea, or they just read your material and ran with it? So my husband is also a graphic artist. So let me add that in. It's one of his skills, many skills, and so he and my brother and I will will start talking about a cover, and this is what you know we're looking for. And as the years have gone on. I really give, we we give my brother less and less. We just kind of talk to him in general about what we're thinking. And he kind of will run with it then and, and let him do his artist thing and come up with ideas. So he comes up with the, he'll draw it, colored pencil on paper a lot of times. I think he might've done watercolor. No, not watercolor. But anyway, he does old mm-hmm. school. He's old school. So then he gives us the actual printed drawings and illustrations. I mean, all the books have illustrations inside as well that he's done. Right, right. So he'll give us those covers. Sometimes there's pieces. Sometimes it's one whole drawing altogether. This was a whole drawing that he gave me. So then we scan it in and mm-hmm. then my husband gets to work as the graphic artist and we'll bring, you know, we'll make, maybe make the skull bigger, make, you know, we've got to add the the fonts and all this stuff and, and to right, make right. it pop. So yeah, that's where the graphic artist comes in to do his work on it as well. And just coming up with fun, fun stuff to make, you know, in an eye-catching cover and try to tell the story a little bit with the cover. Oh, so it's a total team effort. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. It's everybody works to their strengths and goes forth. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how you described your whole essential machine to this world that you've been building for so many years that you weren't capable of doing by yourself. And if you just focus on the things that you're really good at, as well as the things that you're capable of getting good at, because I absolutely love how you mentioned that the publishers, they told you no, but if you continue, you'll be great. And you were like, say less. I have enough time to build Rome because it wasn't (laughs) built in a day. It was one person building one stone at a time. And you've been doing it for so many years. It almost seems like you said around 10 to 13 years, but had your, your break from being able to do it completely 100% full time. And so that just speaks volumes on your patience, as well as your ability to be consistent. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, you have to have some sort of a momentum to be able to work seven days a week without rest. You don't even know what a weekend is. You don't even know what days <laughs> of the week are when somebody says, Hey, what are you doing this Sunday? You're like Sunday. I don't even what, what is today? Like, I'm just doing 2000 words. I'm either doing the marketing in the morning. I got kids in the afternoon and then I got to write at night and then I got this, I got that. I got so many things and you are capable of being patient. 
And I applaud you for that because that takes so much effort. Like a lot of people, even if they knew what the payouts were in regards to the success, how you feel and satisfaction, they might say, I'm not capable of doing all that work or I need that instant gratification. I want immediately to have thousands of five-star reviews, which you have on Amazon. And all these accolades, all these awards, somebody would, would want to know, how do you do that instantly? And after hearing this, they're going to say, wow, that's a lot of work. Not only did it take a lot of work, it took a lot of, you know, being at the right place at the right time, doing exactly what you needed to be doing. Like right. you couldn't have asked to be at a better place at a better time, knowing exactly what you needed to do and say in order to get somebody to be able to build a database for your world. <laughs> I know that was that was fortuitous. I like to think of it as you keep your uh, keep irons in the fire, a lot what of irons it, in the it? fire. And keep that way, irons in the fire. It means like, you know, branding or whatever, something in the fire. I guess mm -hmm. it's, it's a saying that means you keep a lot of things going at once and ready. Um, oh, that's so good. you're ready to just, oh, oh, we're going to pull this one out and do, you know, shh. or you can look at it as always being open to opportunity and being ready oh. it, so that when opportunity comes along, you've already built something that's there just in case, just in case, for example, audiobooks. I, mm -hmm. all the books I have are available in audiobooks. Now I have, uh, I think we're getting ready to publish 34 books or 35. So that's anyone who's dabbled in, uh, looked into audio is it's knows it's not cheap. It takes right. a lot of time finding good narrators, building that whole catalog of audiobooks is, is not a quick, easy, inexpensive task. But from the beginning, I just knew I, you know, my husband and I talked about it. It was like, I think we need to invest in this. It's not big yet, but I just, you know, feel like it. And he agreed. And so we started investing in the audiobooks, putting money in to get them well done, you know, with very talented voices and have them ready to go. And for years, and it cost us some money up front to right, do that. Right. And for years, we weren't <laughs> making the money back and we kept building it and building it. But finally, audiobooks are now really starting to do wonderful. I often make as much off audiobooks as I do off ebooks because audiobooks are are just growing in leaps and bounds the sales, which mm -hmm. is so wonderful. I I love them too. So had we not thought, you know, this through way ahead of time and been just ready in case, you know, it was a risk financially, but we were ready right. in case it did take off. We'd be trying to catch up, trying to, you know, get all these books up and going in audio and you might miss the bus or the wave or whatever you want to call it. So being ready for what might come your way is, is really important. And that's not always easy to see, but just, I don't know, there's all kinds of sayings I could say, like hedge your bets and all that, kind of stuff. <laughs> but just try to think ahead of what might come and have something ready to go so that when the opportunity comes, boom, I've got this for you. Here you go. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com created by pen for hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways, letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base outside of social media. Podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. 
How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. Now, not only were you ready for those opportunities, you also weren't scared to use the fire or pull the trigger because a lot of people might just let those opportunities go. Like, yeah, I'm ready. I have that elevator pitch on deck. I have my stories memorized. I have everything all outlined and the opportunity is right there. And it's just, that is a wasted opportunity. Cause just as easy as you met her, you could have just been like, oh, thank you so much for pointing that out. Have a great day. Right, right. Boom, right there, your whole, your whole database and all that information just gone right there because you weren't ready to fire. So that's actually so important, not only to be patient enough to continue doing that, as well as betting on yourself and continue betting on yourself. Because it does. I, I haven't heard yet that you said, I bet it against me. You just like, <laughs> I, I bet on me. The publishers told me, no, I said, I'm betting on me. When right. they said this might not work for you, the audiobooks are too expensive. You're not going to make your money back right away. That instant gratification. It's like, you know what? I'm not worried about right now. I'm worrying long term. I have enough time to be able to develop this into something that I want and enjoy. And I can pass it on to right. you know my fans that are also going to love and enjoy because you were meticulous with the process. You made sure to make it a, a, something that they were enjoy and i said right. i think that says so much about how your quality of your books your ebooks your audiobooks and the brand all aligns together is the fact that you want to continue giving them so much value and building this world for them and they get to appreciate it because like i said i haven't seen so many five-star reviews on an author in a while <laughs> so commendable on getting that done and that just says a lot about your work ethic a lot about your team and everything that you're doing Thank you. I mean, it's, you know, that's, and that's the readers. That's all these amazing people that come in and, and support me and, and help us with, you know, giving reviews and doing all kinds of things every time we release a book. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and I'll, I'll be really quick. So I have the first draft team I told you about yeah. then, and there's a, a professional editor that comes in the mix too, but we also have a beta team that goes through and it's anywhere between 20 to 45 people that I, over the years, we've really trimmed to these, this crew because each brings different things to the table. Uh, right. And I kind of know them. I've, I've worked with them a while. So here comes these beta readers and they get feedback to me. We publish the book and then we pull in and we, we do calls for the promo team. And, and it's really fun. Like for the Deadwood Undertaker series, we have the Deadwood Prospectors. That's mm -hmm. the promo team name. For the Jackrabbit books, we call them the Prickly Pear Posse. So they're going to go out and, and we're going to sell. And, and we provide images, all kinds of quotes and, and help. And then also, because I'm, I'm, I learned early on the whole what's in it for me mindset when it comes to marketing. A lot of times if you offer something to someone in exchange for their help, and I'm not saying you're bribing, it's just saying, hey, we're going to have like, okay, so we'll have anywhere like around 150 people on the promo team and I'll go out and find a hundred plus different prizes that we're going to give away. I don't do three for a hundred plus people. I do mm -hmm. a lot. So your chances of winning something every run are really high. And if you don't win it for this book, the next book's coming. And I've got right. a bunch more things I've bought. And it's really fun because I get theme kind of gifts that go with the stories. So 
it's it's a lot of fun to, for me to go find all these promo prizes. And then we draw names and we mail those out. And then it's time for the next book. Here we go again. So we have all these processes in place that help make this happen. And like I said, I'm not doing this alone. This is a lot of people helping. I'm just there a lot of times helping steer the ship, helping look to the future, what's coming, putting myself out there, ideas, finding income streams along with, you know, hey, that's a potential income stream. Let's line ourselves up and get on board and get all ready for that. And if it doesn't pay out, we've had that happen where it's like, oh, that was a waste of time. Oh, well. But other times, hey, that paid out well. So I try to look at everything as an experiment. Right. And so if it fails, it wasn't like I failed. That didn't work. Let's try something else. You know, some things go boom in a good way. But just keeping my mind open to that kind of a thing. Man, that's actually so cool the way that you can break it down. I think that speaks volumes on your archaeology studies because you're just so capable of, of explaining it so thoroughly. Like, wow, the the amazing ability to get all these people to share a common goal, whether you're giving them the opportunity to win a giveaway or just participate in a grandiose mission as a whole and giving them the opportunity because some people they just want to help just because and other people right. I, I understand you you got to give them what they want or what they'll need in order to at least stay there for the long time because as right. long as there's a possibility of them winning and they actually win something then they're going to give you that unbiased feedback right. as cruel as can be because i know sometimes right. the, that beta reader report be hurting man it just oh my heart and soul sometimes i know how, how do you how do you deal with that by the way because uh, with 20 to 40 people there's got to be somebody that just doesn't pull punches and just go straight for the heart some yes they'll, they're they're wonderful they don't hold back they tell me and i actually fear it's it's more scary to give the book to the beta readers now than it is mm. to get it put it live because by the time it's going live to the public it's been through you know 50 60 set of eyes and i've heard everything and i found you know anywhere where somebody had a problem with something i've heard about it so when i hand it off to the beta crew now granted it's already been through first draft team and that helps me have the confidence to give it to betas and, and everybody because first draft will call me out on things and go, what is, what is this? This makes no sense. So they help me clean up and they're gentle. They're, they're thorough, but gentle. I'm knowing this is a first draft, so it's moldable. By the time we're to the betas, these guys, they're helping me make sure this thing's polished and there's no more errors. We're at the very end. They know how important it is to nitpick. And... Mm. They will. And and sometimes I'm just like, oh, come on. And other right, times right. I'm like, oh, that was a good catch. That would have gotten through had you not found, you know, and some people will come and say, you probably had everybody else find this. And so many times an easy little spelling error. No, nobody else caught that. So everybody's important. Everyone's feedback. And, and I try to keep that in mind. It hurts sometimes. <laughs> it's scary. It's mm -hmm. it's you're putting yourself out there. But you know, I've been putting myself out there to the general public so long, and I know there's going to be bad reviews coming in. And, you know, if it's a bad review saying, hey, I didn't like this, I didn't like the characters, blah, blah, you know, I didn't like the plot, that's fine. But if it's, there were all these errors in the book, that's a problem. That's something I can fix before it goes out. And, and so it's my job to do my best to make it as clean as I can. And I'm not competing against other, you know, newer authors Right, just right. indie authors. I'm competing against the big guys, the big publishers. This mm -hmm. book has to stand up next to 
you know, a professional publisher book of a New York Times bestseller because I'm buying to get the the reader to read mine instead of that one or in addition. So I keep that in mind. It has to be clean. It has to look professional. So, you know, just keeping all that in, in, in the whole idea of going forth. We put out the best product we can so that we get the good reviews and people can enjoy the story. And that's what's important. And I think that you've been doing such an amazing job as you've been, you know, USA Today's bestseller. You have raving reviews across all of your books. I haven't seen anything negative said about the books that you put out there. So you're doing a fantastic job. Your team is doing a fantastic job catching everything. Thank you so much for being here. But I do want to ask one little itty bitty tiny question. And that's if you could go back, back in time, you know, this what if scenario, when you first got rejected from that publisher, they gave you the no, but you got that. But potentially, if you could just go back in time and have a five minute conversation with your younger self, what is what what could that conversation be like that you only have five minutes in order to give your younger self a better chance at reaching success, maybe sooner or in a bigger scale than you could never have imagined at that time? I probably would say keep learning the craft, keep learning about marketing, but stop trying to please the publishers and just write the books. Because the first several books I wrote was trying to meet, here's the guidelines for what we want for this book, you know, for our authors. And I kept trying to do that. And instead of focusing on craft and how I was going to learn how to run my own business and all that stuff, I was so busy trying to please them and get them to say yes to a proposal or a synopsis. And instead, just just start writing, start building this thing and practice and get better because you're not going to need them to go forth. You're going to need to be strong in your writing. That's not to say I didn't get help from a professional editor at a publishing house for that first Nearly Departed. He was amazing. He, he really wanted to buy the book, but the marketing part, department said no. But he was all for it. And without him, he gave me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to go forth on my own. But still, just write the good stories. Stop trying to write just mystery or just romance. Just mix it all up. Write the story. Start building this world because there's a lot of work to do ahead of you. Well, thank you so much for that. And where can somebody who is so interested in getting more books from you, where can they go to find out more about you? So my website, of course, is the easiest place, annecharles.com. And there's no E in that. It's just annecharles.com. I'm also on Facebook. I dabble in Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm trying to get myself motivated to get into TikTok. But man, I... That's a lot of energy. I understand. (laughs) So you can, and and you can email me. I have contact links, but again, mostly you start at the website where you can find all the links to everything and and the books and and read about them and, and go from there. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, promoting your latest book that came out, Twisty Tortoise Tussles. Again, check her out on her website, annecharles.com. No E-A-N-N. C-H-A-R-L-E-S dot com. Other than that, thank you so much for giving some time out of your hectic and busy schedule (laughs) and giving us a lot of pointers, a lot of hidden gems. If you guys heard everything she said, 
just be consistent. Don't give up. Build the team around you. Again, be consistent because she has been doing this for so many years and she's been so consistent and have ultimate belief in yourself because the more you keep doing that, the more you will have an opportunity and make sure you take those opportunities because they are so limited and it's worked amazingly for Anne. Other than that, take care. I wish you the best of luck on your upcoming books and have a great rest of your night then. Thanks.